Blog Talk Radio. Morning. 
because I know a lot of my friends, hey, guys, out there in the West, in the East Coast, in the Midwest, are already up and moving and shaking in their day these days. But, you know, we here on the West Coast, we're still just trying to wake up, you know what I mean? So I hope that we can enjoy this time that we're on the line today. As many of you know, we've been studying the attributes of God, or we've been studying the holiness of God, and I'm going to begin to transition us into some of the other attributes of God. Why, again, are we doing this? We are in a society right now that has no clue who God is, uh, who God is and, and, and what is going on in our society today with people not really understanding that God is a sovereign God. He's a holy God. He's an omniscient God. He's an omnipresent God. He's an all-powerful God. And, and, and they just don't have any concept of, of who God is. Um, and they think that they can just do anything and that God is love. That's all they know. So they forget or don't know that God has to have a personality. We are made in his image. We can kind of look at ourselves and go, okay, maybe we have an idea that God has feelings. The Bible does talk about not grieving the Holy Spirit. Some may say that that's not God. It is God. He's fully uh, uh, the Godhead. He is fully um, Jesus. And it's understanding that, that we understand why this is so phenomenal, why he came down. Because the only person that could have paid the price for our sins was a pure seed. And the only pure seed could have been God. So he to, to think that he would have come down and leave holiness. Oh, my God, amazing. And leave holiness and come down to be born of a female. You know, you can read that in the, in the book of John. Uh, talks about it, uh, the, the birth of, of Christ. And it's it just remarkable, ladies and gentlemen, just absolutely remarkable that he would leave everything he had just so that we could spend eternity to him, so that we could be brought back. So this life that we live of being saved, saved just means saved from the other side of not knowing Christ. You know, saved from hell. In other words, we have the books of the Bible. We have Genesis, we have Revelation. And it tells us the end of this. We have the beginning and we have the end. We know what life is going to produce right there. So when the third of the angels fail, uh, God never created hell for us. It was for them. But because too often we choose them and not him, there is a consequence. So with that becomes this eternal fight between God and Satan. And um, we're kind of caught in the middle. But we don't have to be. We just choose God and everything's good. So we're going to be talking today again about the holiness of God and moving into um, the attributes of, of, of God, because I think it's very, very important that we understand and know, you know, why is God holy and why does it matter? It started out with many people saying, you know, oh, God's going to judge the world. We're going to go to hell because of all the um, the things that have happened in our society recently um, with how uh, the government has just overruled everybody, you know, who did not agree um, and put a proclamation out there, made some things law that really want to trump God. But how many of you know nothing? And so people don't understand that God is holy. They don't understand that God, in his holiness, in his greatness, in all of who he is, 
he just does not do sin. And he can't be around sin. Sin can't, he doesn't do well with sin in his presence at all. And you can go back throughout the Old Testament and see that. When Moses said to him on the mount, he said, I want to see your face. He says, well, I won't show you my face, but I'll show you my back. And then he turned. He said, the, 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 the ground that you are standing is holy ground. And he caused, uh, told uh, Moses to take off his sandals. If you even think about it, the question that I posed, very simple question that I posed last week, if God put Adam and Eve out of the garden simply for one act of disobedience, one act of disobedience, why do we think that we can live in complete disobedience to God, complete in every area of our life? in complete disobedience to God and still make it into heaven or still be in his presence. I mean, really, guys, it's, it's, God is not difficult. People make it difficult, but God is not difficult. He's a loving, uh, personable, intimate, uh, with feelings, with a mind, with an intellect, with humor, but he's still God, and he has a standard, no different than you and I have a standard, Okay. So we want to just really review that. And if you're looking at those scriptures, you can look, listen to uh, the last couple of weeks' shows um, that we talked about. But we're looking at the fact that he's holy. And today we're looking at Job chapter 42, verse 5 and 6. It says, the pure light of God's holiness reveals the blackness of our sin. In other words, when we really begin to study the holiness of God, why he's holy, what his holiness entails, what it, um, that gets you to the attributes of his holiness, we will begin to understand that we see how depraved we really are. You know, when you understand God and you understand that he didn't have to love us, he didn't have to send his son, he didn't, uh, just put did, but yet he did, and that anything, no matter how minute, no matter how minute, cannot be in his presence. All they did was eat a piece of fruit, but they did it from what he said not to do. We can look at Saul. We can look at the things that David did, and whenever there was grave sin, there was always a consequence. It was always a consequence to one's action. So let's go through that again. And he says here, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eyes have seen thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. I want to talk about that. I remember a time when uh, I was in some situations, and I was at my house, and I was you know, working out on my little total gym. I'm working out and everything. I had my Christian music playing, and I wasn't really in a happy place. I'm not saying to say that I was backslid, but I was completely disobedient, completely. And when I say, ladies and gentlemen, I felt the presence of God in my apartment so strong, and I felt the love of God. And just, and what I what I what I experienced is, God, you love me, and you know what I just feel. God, you love me, but I'm blatantly disobedient to your word. And that's what this means. 
when we really begin to cry out to God and spend time with God and want God, we begin to see ourselves from a different perspective. We're no longer judging our, our maturity in Christ based on, well, looking at my neighbor, looking at so-and-so next door, looking at somebody down the street. Oh, I'm going to look everybody. I don't care how knowledgeable, how big they are in their denomination or how long they've been saved. We are all equal when it comes to sinning and being intimate. It is a choice. And God does reveal him, but you have to want it. You have to go for it. And he's constantly saying, seek me, okay, while I am near. Because many of you who have a relationship with God, many of you have had a, a presence of God, understand that, that when you're intimate with him and you've been in that presence where you either can't stop crying or you just have this ultimate sense of peace that is just calming or we're not always bouncing off the wall or always depressed and pitiful or everything that comes out of our mouth is, oh, you know, I'm just this and, oh, I'm just, I'm not as pretty as you or whatever. And I know that especially as women we joke around, but sometimes we just need not because life and death is still power of the tongue. And when you have that experience with God where you can just sense his presence and just can't get enough of it, you know when it's not there. And so God wants us to have that pure light, that pure presence of what it means to be with him. And when we understand that, then we don't judge like we used to judge. We don't look at people the same way. Because you begin to understand that they must not truly have an experience with God or they've ignored it. Because the word of God says that I taught it a few months ago, several, several months ago now, that when there is true sin in your life and your mind has not yet been seared, or, or you, um, maybe you haven't been taught, you cannot be in the presence of God with blatant, known, I just got mad at somebody and cut them out. You can't do that. And when you do that, you're standing in a place of pride. Because the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness unrighteousness. Then we go over to Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died. He didn't wait for us. The whole idea of I'm not perfect come as you are means you really can't clean yourself up because you don't really know what God wants to clean up first. That's why even when we're witnessing the people, we need to witness by the power of the Spirit and not just go out and, and, and pass out crack. That's beautiful. That's nice. But we have the almighty power of God living on the inside of us. And I believe that the reason why our world, our society, and things are happening based on the way that they are, because we even as Christians, are not living in the true power and the authority that he calls us to live by. Because the Bible is very clear. We shall do greater work than he did. The Bible is very clear that we have the power and the authority that if we believe, we can lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed. 
Now, it may not be conventional. It may still be through a doctor. It, it may still be through um, natural means, but God can use natural means because God never meant for us to be in the earth and not use man. That's why he gave us the abilities that he did. When you begin to understand and get intimate with God and get intimate with his character and begin to understand truly who he is, you'll either have to completely reject him, which many do, or you have to fall on your face and go, oh, my God, that this being, this awesome, intimate creator has given me all power in the sense that I have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of me. My DNA has been shifted spiritually so that I can now be his hands, his feet, his eyes in the earth. We don't want to get into a place to where we're just doing religious activities. Who cares about some of the things that we do? God is no more in that than he's in a bucket of ice cream. We need to be going and seeking the mind of God for a person when we're witnessing. And God can give it to us at the minute, at the top of a hat. My husband and I, if you guys listened to our show on Tuesdays a few, a few weeks ago when he was my guest on the Tuesday show, um, you know, we kind of get crazy in the word. And we were talking about that the other day in Second uh, Corinthians and the power and the natural man versus the spiritual man. And we came to this conclusion because typically that passage is taught from a place of a new believer, meaning if you are a new believer and you don't know Christ, or if you don't know Christ, you're carnal, and therefore you are the natural man. But when you read the totality of that passage, they're talking to Christians too. They're talking to Christians. In other words, you can be a Christian and still be in your flesh. You can be a Christian and still be carnal and not living in your spirit. That's why we're told in Galatians to live and be controlled by the spirit. If we do that, we will not fulfill the love of the flesh. If we do that, we're going to consecrate ourselves. If we do that, then we're going to walk in holiness. And then we're fulfilling what God said to be ye holy, become, be, walk it out. It doesn't happen overnight. For God is holy. The holiness of God will never let man think more highly of himself than he really is. If any man thinks well of himself, he has never met God. Nothing will demolish self-righteousness like one real sight of God. In dealing with the self-righteous person, um, get them into the holy presence of God if you can. If you get people, that's why we don't have to throw people sin in their face. Because if they have anything of a mustard seed of God in anything, Get them in the presence. Let your worship at your church usher in the holy presence of God. Don't just sing two or three songs and maybe have a good beat and and, and, and have an entertainment. But do you wait for the presence of God to come in, the holy presence of God? Does does the Shekinah glory, hallelujah, 
Enter into the presence. When people come, are they coming because it's a good sound? Are they coming because they're doing their weekly service? Or are they coming to experience the presence of God? Or they're coming for some coffee and donuts. Nothing wrong with it. But we need to get serious and consecrate, which is what holiness is. It's set apart. When we begin to consecrate ourselves for God's use, we are setting ourselves apart to be used wholly and solely for God. That doesn't mean that we stay in the four walls because then who do we touch? Sunday through Saturday, we're busy with God's stuff. Then who do we touch? Are we involved in in volunteer work? Are we involved in nonprofits that deal with children? Are we going where God isn't and becoming involved? Most Christians can't pray an hour, let alone 15 minutes. Or should I say it the other way? They can't pray 15 minutes, let alone an hour. What do I say? Well, what, what do I do? After I've prayed for my car, my rent, my mother, the kids, the dogs, the cat, what else is there? There's a place in the presence of God, in the holiness of God, where God begins to reveal to you who you are and who he is. So to be able to stand in that presence, we, we want to experience the wonderfulness of God's love. But in order to completely understand and experience the wonderfulness of his love, you must see yourself in light of who he is because then you will begin to understand how much he truly loves you. Think of it like this. Think of it when you've done something really wrong or really bad. Maybe when you were a kid and you broke your mother's vase or you broke a car window or you did something that was like, oh, my God, I'm truly going to die. My parents are going to kill me. Or you've offended somebody. You've done something just like, oh, really bad. And the person that you did it to did not respond to you in unkindness. They looked at you and said, you know, this probably isn't a good thing right now. They didn't make you feel bad or throw you under the bus. They just said, okay, this is what it is. It's okay. You know, things happen. It'll be all right. And you're just amazed. And from that point on, you're just, oh, my God, what can I do for this person? Because you know you don't deserve it. You know you don't deserve their kindness or their friendship afterwards. That's what it's like with God. When you get and stand and lay and sit in his presence, and he begins to reveal to you, when you do Psalm 51, Psalms 139, and ask God to search your heart. Know me. Is there any wicked way in me? And he begins to show it to you. You don't now look at the other person. I don't care what sin they're in or what lifestyle they're in. You won't look at them the same because you know that God can turn the light right back on you. Now I don't care how much you go to church, speak in tongues, roll on the floor, or maybe you don't do that. You're just very knowledgeable in the word. You're very academic in the word. Or you know what it says and doesn't say, and you could break it down from Genesis and Revelation, but God knows those deep things in your heart and you're not telling anybody. He knows your attitude is jacked up. And we're wondering why we never get more intimacy with God. 
And as we begin to move over and study more of the attributes of God, as we go on and understand that his holiness sets him apart from all other created things. It's not just that he doesn't do sin, but it talks also about his greatness, his majesty, his bigness, his power, his perfect moral purity. There's absolutely no sin or evil thought in God at all. At all. So when we have that one bad thought about that one coworker or that one church member that absolutely drives you nuts, because you know it happens and you know we save love God in God doesn't have any of it. And we get mad at people, and we know they hey, they deserve it. And we deserve it, too, but God doesn't have one evil It's just naive. In Revelation, it says, he will, if you're either hot or cold, he will spew you out. Be either hot or cold. But the lukewarm folks, he's going to spew you out. In other words, God is black, God is white. There's no... Well, you know, little Don Marie, you know, yeah, she's she's getting on my nerves today because no, 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 there's no evil thought that God has for us. His holiness is the definition of that which is pure and righteous in the universe. Whatever God has appeared, such as to Moses at the burning bush, that place becomes holy just for God, having been there. And if you want to know, I get a lot of my information when I'm doing studies from either commentary. And if you want to go to allaboutgod.com, you can find out what I'm looking at right now. And you can read more and study more into it. Okay? We want to understand and know this. When we begin to understand that he's a God of wisdom, he's a God of Trinity, he's, a, he's omniscient, he knows all, he's faithful. That's why we can put our trust in him. And know that it's okay. So I want to put this out there today. I don't care what sin you're in. I don't care if the United States has legalized your sin. It doesn't make it right before God. But at the same token, that's between you and God. God loves you. He wants you to come in. He wants you to uh, renounce your sin, lying, cheating, stealing, fornicating, whatever, all of it. He wants us to renounce it. It doesn't matter what it is. And when in doubt, just get in the face of the Father. When in doubt, if you don't know and you're walking in a state of confusion, which is not of God, it's of the enemy. Because God says, let your yea be yea, get your nay be nay. God says, no, choose the same who you will serve. God always requires a decision. God puts it out there and his word never returns for us. God is not a man that he should lie. You have to go back and be able to look at the original intent of whatever God created. And can we do and what we want to do, and can we fulfill God's original intent? When in doubt, when in doubt, get alone in the presence of God and just talk. Just write it out and talk. Get out your words. And if all you know to do is just read the Psalms and just do it. Just do it. As we come to the end of this show today, I encourage you, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, if you don't know what it is to bask in the holy presence of God, if you don't know what it is to commune with the levels of his, of his, um, of his attributes, of his, of his faithfulness, of his uh, omnipresence, 
if you don't know how to commune with God in those areas, then I encourage you today, accept Christ as your personal faith. If you've been going to church all of your life and you've never felt the almighty presence of God in your life, then I ask you today, come to the Father. He sent his son to die for you so that you can have eternal life, everlasting life. So not just then, but so you can have life and have life more abundantly now. You can have peace and walk in joy now. It's not waiting into the great by and by. It's not all can walk in power, walk in authority, so that you can be an atmosphere changer in the earth. And you can go and speak and know the mind of God. Because he will talk to you. He will be intimate with you in those intimate places. Relate with him today. Consecrate yourself to say, God, I Lord God, come into my heart. I realize that the way I'm going really isn't working for me. I admit that I'm a sinner and Christ died for my sin. And I make a decision today to turn from my way of doing things, to turn from me being on my throne and allow you to be my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, I hope you accepted Christ. The angels are rejoicing if you did. I hope that you guys will join me on the show this coming Tuesday, Process 319 Unleashed. But my guest is going to be the one and the only, Sharia uh, Johnson Stallings. You don't want to miss it. She's going to be talking to us about being a woman, business, powerful. I can be free just be me.